From the Tiger Cats Audio Network, this is Tiger Cats Game Day with Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly. Welcome to another episode of Tiger Cats Game Day on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. My name's Courtney Stephen, joined as always by Mike Daly. Mike, we're going to Montreal, man. It is the Thai Cats taking on the Montreal Alouettes for second place in the East Division just just so short a time ago. Who thought we would be saying that? The Hamilton Thai Cats, <laughs> man, they turned it around last week and they're on fire right now, headed over to Quebec. What 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 is the feeling going into this game, Mike? Oh, you know they have to be on a high, right? Because to get Winnipeg at home and just put on an absolute clinic against the defending champs, right? Like, really, you know, a week ago, or I guess a week before the bye week ago, you and I are like, hey, they got to figure something out. They need something to go their way. And then for them to flip it right on its head, Dane to have the best game of, you know, his career, right? No turnovers, that offense was clicking, the defense was making plays, scoring touchdowns like it looked like what people expected this Ticats team to be and I mean court all we were talking about was Dane just needs to get a little bit of confidence back and I don't know about you but that game probably pumped up his confidence quite a bit so I'm really excited to see how this Ticats team shows up in Montreal because they got to be as confident as can be which is an awesome thing for where they were just a week before the bye week ago, right? All things considered, this is exactly what you want if you are a black and gold fan. Now, this is going to be the deciding game in the season series for Montreal and the Ticats. They've already split the first two games. There was one that came down to a field goal, another one that ended dramatically with Trevor Harris being pulled out of the game and, and the backup coming in for the heroic effort that did not make it. So it was one and one on the season, and this one will be the deciding game between Montreal and Hamilton. But with this point in the season, the Ticats have already played one additional game than Montreal. So there, there's a lot of details and, and nuance to who's going to finish in what position. But we know that regardless of everything else that happens, this will be a big game. There's huge playoff implications, and nobody Nobody is going to have a hard time getting out of bed for this one. So let's talk about the lineups and who we will and who we will not see in the game. I think the first one, which is the biggest literally and figuratively, is Dylan Wynn not in the lineup, not a part of that Ticats D-line that has been stuffing the run all year long and going up against a team I mean, William Stanback has been out all year, but Montreal has been finding a way to get it done on the ground. Without Dylan Wynn, how do the Ticats fill that void? And, and who are the guys who are stepping up on this D-line to be the ones to watch for the Ticats fans? Well, I mean, Ticats, you know, losing Dylan Wynn, right? Ticats fans losing Dylan Wynn is, you know, a big deal. But when you have a guy by the name of Ted Laurent stepping in. I know there's not a Ty Cat fan in the world that says, you know what, I'm really worried, right? Because 
if there's one thing we know about Teddy, he's the ageless wonder. I mean, you just watch this guy play year after year after year, and he's he's unblockable. He's bigger, stronger than everybody, and and people just cannot move him. It, it's incredible to watch him play, and I think you know exactly in time for this Montreal team who likes to you know hand the ball off and try to get that run game going. Teddy's a perfect fit in there. So yeah, losing Dylan Wynn, one of the best D linemen in the league, does hurt. But to have a guy like Ted Laurent to step in there and help out. That's a huge, huge deal. And on top of that, getting a, a guy like Julian Hauser back, right? A, a man that can rush off the edge, really rough, uh, make the passer hurry up. But also, and a you know, really underrated skill of this guy is he is the best coverage D end I think I've seen in a really long time. This guy drops into his own and looks. Many. <laughs> oh. He said no, this is the exactly. best coverage the end. <laughs> because Court, you yeah, know yeah. this is you know this is a skill. To be able to rush the passer and then all of a sudden get that call where the blitz is coming away from that defensive end. You know, you're trying to overload the one side of the line. Well, a lot of times you'll drop that other defensive end to become a like a low zone linebacker in coverage. And Julian Hauser is one of the best I've seen at it. It's incredible what he can do. He looks truly like a linebacker when he's out there in coverage. Well, you know what? He he does get some work done coming out of that two-point stance of his, and I'm interested to see how fresh he is, uh, especially given that he's taking some time away, and then he's going to be in the rotation with two other guys that are going to be tearing it up, Malik Carney, Mason Bennett. There's really no rest for these tackles that are going to be uh, – going up against these defensive ends. So, yeah, maybe maybe Trevor Harris has to make sure uh, Julian Hauser is in his, his, his game plan because when that DN pops out, that's not usually the cover guy that you're looking for. But let's, let's keep talking about cover guys. Tunde Adelike, game time decision. Now, we all know the impact that Tune makes, but let's talk about the guy who would step in in his place if number two is not able to play Stavros, Katz, and Tonis. I was supremely impressed with the way that number 30 played last year when he did get his opportunities. I remember him laying out horizontal completely, making a diving interception in Toronto. I remember him finding his nose to the ball and just looking super comfortable. So if it's a situation where Tunde, who's probably the best safety in the East, if not in the league this year, if he's not playing, Stavros is a guy who doesn't give you much drop off. And I think that type of confidence in having another guy who can come in, make an impact and take command of the defense, that's got to give confidence to the rest of the players that's around him. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know the other guys that are playing with him, you know, have the utmost confidence in him because you're exactly right, Court. You know, there's, there's when you look at football players, you say, you know, some guys are ultra-athletic, some guys are ultra-strong, whatever. And then there's these type of guys that you look at where you're like, he's just a good football player. He makes it, he's around the ball all the time. You know what I mean? He's making the right reads. We're not sure how he does it, right? But he's always in the right spot, and he's always making a play. And that's Stavros. That's the type of guy that he is. So, you know for a fact he's gonna he's gonna make a play in that in that game. He's not scared to throw his nose in there or, or get you know get right in the pile. But 
I'm excited to see what he can do because with a year under his belt, like he got a bunch of playing time last year, um, you know, you don't really lose too much with Tunde being out. Now, Tunde can do a few different things, you know, maybe man-to-man cover a little bit better. But Stavros will definitely find the ball. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out leading up to this game. Absolutely. Another person who is in the lineup, uh, Tyler Ternowski, number 88, the Hamilton boy, playing next to uh, Keandre Smith. So we got two Canadians out there looking to mix it up, going to give some trouble to that very, very talented Montreal back end. Interested to see how they complement uh, Tim White and Stephen Dunbar Jr., who are having great seasons. Tim White, most receptions in the CFL this season. He is doing outstanding so far with 72 catches on 108 targets. He has been electric, and I think Tim White's a guy to watch, of course. But let's talk about the rest of this receiving core. Stephen Dunbar Jr., I don't even know where to begin with him. He runs great routes. He's a physical specimen. Um, and then you go on the other side of the ball, you've got Keandre Smith, who's, you know, the, the Z receiver, usually where you put the guy who is maybe not the most dangerous threat, but we've seen him get the ball, get yak yards. Uh, he scored on a home run last game. Mm-hmm. And then you bring Tyler Ternowski into the mix and Poppy White in the slot as well. When, when you're the defense and you're looking at this, this lineup, wh- where do you even begin? <laughs> Yeah, well, when you look at you know how effective Tim White and Stephen Dunbar have been, you can expect them to be leaning coverage that way, right? Which hopefully should open up some more holes for guys like Poppy White, Tyler Tarnowski, Keandre Smith. But when you're talking about a guy that's leading the CFL in receptions, a defense would you know be pretty dumb to not start either doubling him or paying special attention to him. But what's so good about this offense and really what helped them in Winnipeg was just moving these guys around all over the place. So it's really hard to lean coverage to one receiver when you expect him to be on the weak side of the field. All of a sudden they break the huddle and he ends up, you know, in the slot to the strong side, right? So it's really tough and that's the reason he's leading the league is because he can play everywhere. Tim White can play everywhere. He can he can do a lot of different things, whether it's catch a screen, whether it's beat you with double moves over the top. And then you can never leave Stephen Dunbar on one-on-one island because he'll just make the catch every time, it seems like. But one other thing I'm really looking forward to in this offense because it was, you know, not a, a huge thing that you would see watching last game with Winnipeg, but Wes Hills had some pretty awesome runs. There was one where he ran over a couple guys, and exactly what we were talking about last week, he's just this downhill runner that's going to lower his pads, fall forward, put the offense in a good second and medium, second and three situation where the playbook opens up completely. Yeah, and and don't get it confused, Ticat fans. 55 yards, or 58 yards, excuse me, on 10 carries, you might not have cracked the century mark for rushing, but when your quarterback throws five touchdowns and you're averaging five yards per carry, that is a great changeup to you know having a quarterback drop back and pass. You're setting them up in second and manageable every single time that you touch the ball, basically. And there's a ton more plays in the playbook for second and four, second and six, compared to second and 10 or second and 12. So... He definitely did what the coach asked him to do and then tapped on 
another few yards in the air receiving. I think when you listen to him in, in the press and when he does his media availability, you just hear the hunger in his voice. This is a guy who's been biding his time. We all know what it's like in, in pro sports. It's, there's, there's guys who are established and there's guys who are fighting trying to make it. And he'll tell you, he's like, I play so that I can stay. And it, it shows when he's on the field and when he gets the ball. He really puts all his energy into every single carry, every opportunity. Exciting guy to watch um, at, at the running back position. Can, can we talk about Montreal a little bit? They have a few weapons on offense as well. There's one that I really think they got one guy who makes them go. Eugene Lewis, he has 954 receiving yards. It has him... Uh, in one of the, the top three receivers in the CFL. And then you got Reggie White Jr. And you got Keandre Julian Grant. Um, and both of those guys combined to have just a little bit more than Eugene Lewis together. And then after that, Jake Weineke and Hergie Mayala. Now, Eugene Lewis is the guy. He's got five touchdowns. He's got six catches over 30 yards. Um, by far and away the stat leader for this Montreal team is it's similar in some respects to how the Ticats, they've got Tim White, you know he's the home run hitter, but I feel like the Ticats have a much more balanced attack than Montreal, and if Eugene Lewis doesn't show up in this game, Montreal is going to have a tough time getting anything going. Am I, am I off base by saying that? No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, even if you go back and look at the film of the last time the Ticats played Montreal, Eugene Lewis's footprint is all over those games, right? That's his, that's Trevor Harris's, that's his like, comfort blanket, right? That's his, that's his, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm throwing this ball up, and I'm going to let Eugene Lewis go up there and make a play. So you're absolutely right. Exactly how I was talking about Montreal trying to lean their defense toward Tim White, Stephen Dunbar. They're gonna the Ticats defense has to do that to Eugene Lewis. You can't leave him on an island out there for one guy to try to cover him because it's just not gonna work out for you as it's shown time after time after time. Right? Eugene Lewis just makes too many big plays. Really, when you look at this Montreal offense, you said it perfectly. It runs through Eugene Lewis. They're gonna try to establish the run. Um, they still don't don't have stand back, so it's not the same of what you were used to with the Montreal run. And then Trevor Harris is just going to try to get the ball out quick, let his receivers try to break a couple tackles and, and get first downs and really move the ball that way. But Eugene Lewis, for sure, is what makes this Tie Cats or uh, this Montreal offense go and should be at the top of the Tie Cats list. But listen, Tie Cat fans, remember September 29th. We're having touchdowns and tastings presented by Peller Family Reserve, and it's back. Get some friends together, register as a group for this fun-filled evening. All right, this evening will be hosted by Natalie Sexton, along with Andy Fantuz and myself. So I'm a little biased. Make sure you get down there, right, so we can see we can have some fun. Uh, It includes wine tasting by Peller Family Reserve, on-field football instruction from current Ticat players, a Ticat's locker room tour, gift bag plus two tickets to an upcoming home game of your choice all for $95 a person can't get it much better than that come down say what's up uh, visit ticats.ca for more details but yeah so Ticats fans get- don't miss your opportunity to toast Mike <laughs> Daly 
Toast Mike daily. Oh, man. Oh, here we go. Here Mike, we go. what kind of wine do you drink, man? I'm not a wine What, what kind of wine do you... What's, what's your favorite kind of wine? Uh, the last... The last one I had was a boxed wine, so I'm definitely not a wine guy. So, I, I, how about is you? Is that fancy or what? <laughs> Me? No. <laughs> oh, man, um, I gotta go Argentina, definitely, or or VQA because you know, shout out to Peller Peller Estates. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hey, fun fun fact. <laughs> I hear, but listen. So, anyways, getting back to the game, I'm. What I am interested to see is how the Tigers defense does deal with Eugene Lewis and get Trevor Harris uncomfortable because, listen, the, the difference between these two games right now is, and the stat that stood out most to me is in the past two games, Ticats have won the sack battle 7-1, to one, right? So they are getting pressure on Trevor Harris. For a guy that gets the ball out quick, they're getting pressure on Trevor Harris and and definitely getting him to the ground, which is a tough thing to do. So I'm really curious to see how the Ticats end up trying to attack it, whether it's the same dose of what they've been given or if it's something a little bit different. But that's what I'm looking forward to a little bit in this game. You know, you know, Trevor Harris reminds me of, and like take this the right way, he reminds me of more like a Ricky Ray-style quarterback where it's, know where everybody's at, play very cerebrally, um, identify the blitz, throw the hot route, use your check down, throw a high completion percentage, and manage the game. Now, a younger Ricky Ray might have been different, depending if we're talking Edmonton Ricky or Toronto Ricky, but he's definitely not the Mike Riley or or Henry Burris, throw the ball 80 yards in the air, and um, every receiver is a threat kind of guy. So if I'm the Ticats, I'm coming into this one thinking, yeah, let's let's show him something, then not come with that pressure and just cover the hot route right away. And maybe we can get some more of those QB pressures. Even if you don't get the sack, the pressure and the disruption is things that can change the trajectory or, or the launch point of that pass. And it can be very disruptive for a guy like Trevor, who's a rhythm thrower. So I'm interested to see how Mark Washington dials it up and, and what they could do to really make it tough for him to continue drives because that's how Trevor Harris can really hurt you is by converting second downs over and over again, bleeding the clock, getting the running backs involved. And then next thing you know, it's it's the third quarter and, and you haven't even touched the ball five times yet. So that's when it gets really dangerous is when Trevor Harris, he gets in the rhythm and he's finding the guys who are in those voids. Um, let's just talk about where we're at with with the season the Ticats four wins uh nine losses they they need this one right they need this one and I think when you go into a game like this in enemy territory when you start the game there's a very big percentage chance that if you start high that you have a chance to continue with that momentum and if you start flat you almost have to dig yourself up out of a hole montreal has got great players and a great stadium to play in um what was it like playing in montreal do you think that because they've already lost there once this year that could be in the back of some guys minds or 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 how do you think that the players are approaching this one on the road 
going into hostile territory with so much on the line. Uh, what's the thought process there as a player going into this one? Yeah, Mon- Montreal is a it's a tough place to play. Their fans are so into it, and especially now that court, I, I think it's fair to say this is as close to a playoff game as you can get. Yeah, the Winnipeg one with the Winnipeg win last week helped them get a little bit of a buffer zone, but when you're talking about the season series with Montreal, win the tiebreaker so that if anything happens at the end of the at the end of the year, you have that tiebreaker over them and can get into playoffs. Now going into hostile territory where Montreal knows that exact same thing. That's not a surprise to them either. So those fans are going to be a, as rowdy as possible. And that is one of the loudest stadiums to play in. It feels like the fans are directly on top of you. You know, the, the stands that are right behind the bench feel like they're literally sitting on the bench with you. They're so close. And it's just nonstop noise the entire time. The Montreal fans really know how to, you know, affect the away team. So it's it is hostile, and I don't expect you know Coach O to tell these guys anything different than this is a playoff atmosphere. You need to go in there and you need to start fast, right? Because Court, you and I have been in enough games where if you're in hostile territory in those big time games where they know that there's a little bit more, your you know your heart's beating a little bit faster, and you start slow, it is really really hard to come back especially in an away game right absolutely so in into a game like this i think that's exactly why my key matchup i'm going to be watching is is jamal roll eugene lewis um Mm -hmm. if they've got one key guy and mark washington dials up man-to-man coverage at any point in time chances are it's going to be jamal roll covering the go-to receiver for the montreal alouettes now, I, I like the matchup because both guys are, are big, rangy, got long arms, can jump, can run fast, physical at the point of contact. Both can catch the ball above their helmet. Uh, it's a great matchup. And the thing about playing defensive back is that you can play great for four quarters, for, for 57 snaps. But if you give up the wrong three catches, then that's a bad day. So... For a guy like Jamal Roll, who's a veteran, who's been playing pro football for like 10 years, I believe, um, including his stops before Hamilton, this is going to be a matchup that I know he's licking his chops for because it's one of the ones that really shows you what you're made out of. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, that'll be the one that you'll see the most too, right? Because they're going to give Eugene Lewis some, some chances. When I start looking at matchups, you know, I'm going to go over to the special team side because right now Hamilton is second last in punting average and Montreal is top four. So when we look at this and, you know, talking about a guy like Chandler Worthy, right, uh, Phil Pot back there as well making some big-time plays, there's – there's a huge swing in field position with those two, right? With the punts and the, and the difference between, you know, being second last and, and top four. Like, that's a huge, huge difference. So, I'm really looking for the matchup of, of the punters and the, the cover units, right? Because when it's when you look at this game, the defenses are pretty much neck and neck, right? Ticats offense is, you know, on the up after that Winnipeg game. Hopefully, they show out and, and do that exact same thing that they did and look like they're, you know, 
the best offense in the league. But right now, when when both of those are pretty close, offense and defense, you really need to look to the special teams unit to really flip the field. And we've talked about this before, but Chandler Worthy, Phil Pot, those guys are big time playmakers. And you know the punting and the cover unit that's going to be a huge, huge factor in this game. Now, now Phil Pot's not to be slept on. I know he's a, a rookie; he's a young guy, but. If we shut him down, I'll be smiling ear to ear, which is only appropriate because the annual Tim Horton Smile Cookie campaign is back, Ticats fans. 100% of the proceeds from sales of Smile Cookies will support charities and community groups across Canada. To participate in this year's Smile Cookie campaign, visit your local Tim Hortons restaurant or place an order through the Tim Hortons mobile app and get yourself a Smile Cookie because that's what Craig Butler's face is going to look like when the special teams (laughs) unit from the Tiger Cats, goes into Montreal, goes four for four on field goals with Seth Small. Seth Biggie Small is going to go four (laughs) for four, and they're not letting Chandler Worthy or Phil Pot get the edge on those punt returns. I'm telling you, that's a a strategy for success. You know what they say, if you get 10 yards on a punt return, that's a great punt return, right? Because you're basically giving the offense a free first down. So for the the fans who are watching, if we could give you a little game, this is the line that you can draw in the sand to determine if the coverage unit or if the punt return unit won on any given rep. Did the punt returner get 10 yards from where they caught the ball? If they did, that's a good punt return. If they were contained to five yards or less, that is great coverage. Now, here's here's another additional thing for you, you fans. If the ball hits the ground and bounces backwards, get get the pens out. This is called hidden yardage, okay? You're supposed to catch every single punt in the air, Mike Daly. And why do we not want to let the ball bounce and go back towards our goal line? Could you just give the fans a little bit of an explanation of why that's a bad thing? Well, it's as simple as it sounds. You really just start losing yardage because it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And anytime the returner lets a punt drop, it's always going to work out bad for that punt return unit. And it rolls all the way back. And, and that's just like Courtney said, hidden yardage and helps that punt unit out because they're able to surround the ball as soon as that guy picks it up. Zero yard return almost every time. That's it. So if we can win the hidden yardage battle and if we can average over 10 yards per punt return, that would put a big smile on special teams coordinator Craig Butler's face. Now, Mike, what, what are some of the what are some of the key storylines in this one as we're, we're getting to the end towards wrapping this thing up? What are the key storylines to watch? What's going to determine the outcome of this game? Well, I, I think, you know, number one is having that offense come out and not be the same they were in Winnipeg because that was, you know, lights out. But really having that offense come out and seeing that rhythm and that timing that that Dane and those receivers and, and you know, Will, Hillis or Hills and, you know, just seeing that all come back like it was in Winnipeg. Because what I thought Dane did a really good job at was looking downfield for his big plays, realizing they're not there. And get into his checked in, get into his low routes that they're not covering, right? Because, you know, early on in the season, Dane would look down there and say, you know what, I can probably throw it in there. And then that would only work out one out of two times, right? The other one would be a pick or a turnover or something like that. So Dane did a really good job at taking what was there. And when the big shot was open, he hit it, 
made a good throw. But when it wasn't, it was, hey, I'm going to give my guy some time to, to make a play in the open field, make one guy miss, get a first down. Let's just live to fight another play. Number two storyline that I'm looking at, because this is huge when I, when I saw it, is the Ticats in Montreal the last two times they played. In that fourth quarter, Montreal has won 22-3 to on points. So I'm really looking for this. And that just kind of ties in with what I was saying, is this offense just getting to a rhythm, rolling, hit your big plays when they're there. But, hey, when they're not there, no big deal. Check it down. Let your receivers make somebody miss. That's what I'm looking for. Man, and you know what? It's, it's going to come back to that check down. I know that I've said it before, but the only thing harder than a tackle in open space is having two kids under the age of two years old. That's the only <laughs> thing that's harder than tackling that check down. Once all the routes, they're established, the <laughs> linebackers drop 12 to 15 yards in their hook curl, and then they throw it to the running back, and you got nothing but daylight. That's the tackle that earns you that pro paycheck. Now, if hey, and pass, and you know what? You and I have been there enough where you know when that check down happens and you're running down, it, you feel as alone in the world as anybody will ever feel because you know there is nobody around you and they got this entire hey, field to try to make you miss. Buzz your feet and step to contact, baby. Don't lunge and wait till the cavalry comes. Any tackle in the open field is a good, good tackle. tackle. That's it. Hey, so. Ticats, they're going to go handle their business in Montreal. Then they've got SAS, they got Calgary. It's shaping up to be an exciting end of the season. And Ticats fans, if you want to be there for the last game of the year in Ottawa, you could win a trip to the Ticats October 29th away game in Ottawa with Journey Rewards. Simply hit ticats.ca slash journey dash rewards to enter to win two tickets on Via Rail, hotel and game tickets, plus a chance at other prizes, including an autographed jersey, or $250 gift card to the Ticat shop. And I heard that they got some fresh threads in there. So go on the road with the Ticats to Ottawa and Journey Rewards. Look, I'm going to be watching this game. Kickoff is 7.30 Eastern. Of course, RJ and Lukey T. Luke Tasker got the call beforehand. Bubba O'Neill, Andy Fantuz, they'll warm you up. And, and you know, you probably just listened to the best pregame pregame show in the CFL with Mike Daly and Courtney Steven. If this is your first time, thanks for hanging out with us. And if you're returning, hey, thanks for coming back. Um, enjoy the match, enjoy the game, and hope you have a great game day. It's game day and you're ready. So are we. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at gameday at ticats.ca. Courtney Steven and Mike Daly are here every game day with their insights into today's game. Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.